Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Hoof and Fang is celebrating Leap Day with an epic once in a four year cycle sale. On February 29th, 2024, every audiobook in our online store will be on sale for $2.99. And every day leading up to February 29th, we are sharing a preview of our audiobooks right here in the Hoof and Fang podcast feed. Today, we're sharing a sample from our January 2024 audiobook selection, M.N. Bennett's Magic School Adventure from the Teacher's Perspective, Three Meant to Be. Chapter 1 I sank into the stiff auditorium seat, wishing I'd had a few more days of summer vacation since I'd wasted too much time off floundering about instead of preparing for the school year. It was obvious the administration hadn't used their summers productively either. Our admin team fumbled with setting up the projector, computer, sound system, and whatever else they'd waited until the last minute to arrange. Massaging my temples helped silence the pressing inner thoughts of staff members, but didn't remove the growing headache as they babbled on about their summers aloud. Oh, joy. They were all thrilled to be back in the building. I seconded that mentality only because when summer hit and I lacked a rigorous schedule, I lost all momentum and often slipped into distracting habits. That said, I couldn't muster an ounce of enthusiasm for the week of professional learning they'd planned for us before the first day of classes. The fact that admin remained tight-lipped on the agenda meant one of two things. First, and highly likely, they were still figuring out the new state laws which affected the curriculum of magic at our academy, in which case this entire week would be dedicated to teachers breaking into groups so we could brainstorm fun and inventive ideas that tied into the academy motto or some shit. I groaned at the thought. The second, and quite possibly worse, outcome was they'd understood the new measures and created their own plan a plan they knew we'd despise, so their hope was to unload it on us at the last minute, leaving us too stunned and ill-prepared to protest. I clenched my teeth, annoyed and justifiably curious. Fixating on the stage and administrators, I carefully peered into their surface thoughts. It's not that one. Come on, what does this thing plug into? For Christ's sake, they were more unprepared than our students. Well, some of our students. Nothing about the agenda bubbled along their surface thoughts as each one of them was wrapped up in the moment of fixing the technical issues. I took a deep breath, channeling my magic, and inched further into the administrators' minds. Tiptoeing around memories, inner thoughts, and the psyche, careful not to disturb anything or leave a trail. Diving deep into minds wasn't my favorite thing in the world, but it was my magic so taking advantage allowed me to avoid my least favorite thing, surprises. A hand slapped my shoulder. The jolt reeled my attention back. Chanel stood in the aisle next to my row, hand on her hip and eyes locked on the seat next to mine. You look like you're in a mood, Dorian. I'd intentionally sat further back to avoid others, intentionally taken the edge seat, and intentionally spread my legs out so my knees grazed the empty back of the seat in front of me. Chanel pushed her way past my outstretched legs, not allowing my posture to deter her. Her bag swatted my face. So annoying. Just thinking how much I could get done this week if they actually allowed us to work in our rooms, I sighed. Oh, come on. Chanel leaned close, her fruity fragrance overpowering the stale cigarettes in my jacket pocket. You're going to spend all year alone on that island. Might as well make the most of this week. That was what teaching was. Isolated in your room on an island with children and little time to breathe until the end of the day. Well, metaphorical island. The classroom really was its own world most days. Kids were annoying, but honestly, adults were equally irritating without the excuse of being young. I could also be making calls or sending emails to guilds I'd reached out to over the summer, 
which I should have fully confirmed before the first day of classes. I'd rather do something beneficial with this PL training time to ensure my upcoming third years had their internships lined up. If I left it in the hands of some of my homeroom coven, they'd end up applying to second-rate guilds because they slacked on deadlines or did shitty research. Not that I cared what my homeroom coven chose after leaving the academy, but I'd make certain they landed with the most compatible witches to fine-tune their last year of magical training. Admin huddled, whispering at the front of the auditorium near the podium, wasting more time. I checked my phone, ignoring the texts from a certain someone I'd semi-avoided since the end of summer because I'd already spent too much of it rolling in bed with him. Milo. I couldn't tell which annoyed me more, the fact we were easily fifteen minutes behind schedule, or how my heart thumped with excitement from each buzz of my phone. Milo had that nauseating effect. I didn't want to want him, didn't want him to care about me, yet even our most casual encounters sent euphoric waves of memories and feelings and sensations I never could fully quit, no matter how much I needed to for his sake more than mine. But he did paint a lovely picture. Always did when thinking about the future. Mine, his, everyone else's. Damn it. Milo's effervescent enthusiasm had a way of rooting its way deep into my hollow heart. Even miles away, unable to feel his mind, his thoughts, his delight, I still had these ridiculous, blossoming ideas. Milo. How's day one treating you? Lots of learning about learning? Maybe you can tell me all about those 100% useful, not at all a waste of time trainings after work. Winky face emoji. Jeez, I could have had another smoke break at this rate, I said, switching my phone to silent because I refused to allow my mind to wander elsewhere. You should quit smoking. It's bad for you. I kept my gaze fixed on the admin team making their final preparations, but felt Chanel's side-eyed glare and heard the bubbling thoughts. And others, and the environment, and baby seals, and... Aren't they part of the environment, so it's basically the same thing? I asked with a yawn so she'd know I'd eavesdropped. Dorian! I cringed at Chanel's thought. People screaming their thoughts was the worst kind of piercing pain, like nails along a chalkboard scraping inside of my skull and rattling my ribcage. Save the PSA, I stretched, arching to crack my back in the stiff seat. Fine, I'll save the PSA and replace it with curiosity. Chanel sat forward, arm pressed to the back of the seat in front of us, invading my space. Great. I should have stuck with the lecture. What did you do this summer? She was the most invasive woman I knew, which I enjoyed, but I glared nonetheless to feign annoyance. Another thing I enjoyed. Life was easy when you could read people's intentions, but I preferred they knew nothing of mine. You spent the entire time dodging me. I shrugged. What did you do? What did you do? What did you- You realize I can do this all day? I blinked, unwilling to let her know I dipped into her surface thoughts. Honestly, the thoughts that bubbled to the top of someone's mind were the most difficult to quell. It took extreme focus to keep others out of my head, which years of experience had helped with. Unfortunately, the more time I spent with someone, the more I understood them, the easier their minds attached to my magic— like pairing two wireless devices. So irritating. Meet a new guy? Have blissful mind-blowing sex? Experiment with drugs and orgies? I snorted. Christ, seriously? Well? She leaned closer, the sleeve of her bright yellow dress slipping lower and exposing the brown skin of her bare shoulder. You're such a closed book, and I'm an avid reader. She batted her eyes as if that'd somehow work. No, it was a distraction. I ground my teeth as she screamed my name internally on a loop. Fine, I said, burying her thoughts with a calming breath. 
I worked on a few house projects, watched television, and read. Oh, and I listened to one cat complain that I didn't spend enough time with him because of renovating, while my other cat simultaneously complained I spent too much time at home. They're both exhausting. Wait, your cats? Chanel raised a thin brow. I thought only witches with certain bestial magic could communicate with animals. See, this is what I mean, a closed frickin' book. If I knew I had a telepathic pet whisperer, I would have made you tell me why my dogs are- We don't communicate, I interjected, because she had the look of someone about to go on a tangent. I closed my eyes, rubbing the edges to wash away the stirring headache. Per se. It's more that I've mastered their expressions and the tones of their meows. Oh, that's nothing special. Chanel leaned back, waving a dismissive hand. You're just another cat, lady. You say that like it's a bad thing. Breathy static hit the mic, silencing Chanel before her opportunity to comment. And I stifled my magic so she couldn't send the message my way. Welcome back, everyone, Evans said with anxious enthusiasm. Not sure anyone could see the trepidation in her light brown eyes, but it radiated this way in waves. That wasn't my magic at work, just an acute understanding of expressions after thousands of registered thoughts over the years. The crease in her forehead, the slightest tremble in her dimpled cheeks, and the shaky but firmly trained stance. Ah, great. We were definitely getting bad news. Evans looked a moment away from hurling the guilt that consumed her. I hope everyone had a wonderful summer. I know many of you followed the new mandates Illinois issued on casting proficiency. Evans chuckled into the mic, causing an erratic and nervous boom throughout the auditorium, almost as annoying as the bubbling thoughts of concern. I did read your emails, but wanted to wait until we were all here as a group to address the changes. I liked that the Academy hired someone with so many inclusive ideas about expanding the number of kids properly licensed in casting before graduation. The fact that the state finally agreed with this seemed too ideal. The mandate in question allowed all students across the state access to licensing before graduation, with a goal of 80% proficiency. Pursuing magic had always been a luxury, never a core at the curriculum level in high schools. More like a bonus class for kids with the drive and the privilege, which was why I taught at an academy, hoping to prepare as many children as possible for the rest of their lives, whether they pursued a career in casting or simply had the fundamentals in their back pocket for whatever path they chose. This ten-year plan will affect how most of the academies are run, Evans said. I scoffed. When in the history of education had a ten-year plan lasted more than five years? But before we jump into business, how about some shout-outs? Evans pressed a button on her laptop, brightening the screen behind her with the first slide on today's agenda. Then she clapped her hands together like some eager child. Staff Summer Success Shoutouts The only thing worse than unnecessary professional learning was unwanted team-building exercises. If I wanted to know these people better, I'd jump into their minds and learn exactly how much more annoying they were. Evans strolled to the edge of the stage, passing the mic to our headmaster, who shared a story on her flowers or vegetable garden or something I effectively tuned out. I wish she'd just get this over with. I dropped further into my seat and raised my knees to block my view of Evans, the headmaster, and the screen on stage. Get what over with? Chanel asked. Screwing us. Whatever they've sat on all summer is obviously going to greatly affect magic academies, so I wish she'd just bend us over already and be done with it. Hmm, no thanks. I like a little sweet talking first. Are you telling me you really prefer just having it rammed in? Chanel winked, twirling a finger in my direction, which cast a slight telekinetic burst to brush my long brown bangs out of my face. With precision and a delicate touch, she swept the hairs behind my ears. 
with metaphorical screwing? Absolutely. I shook my head, undoing her magical efforts and covering my eyes. Hiding behind my hair was a preference, a tiny distancing tool like many others I'd mastered. Sounds like some amazing summers. Evan's heels clicked along the hardwood floor of the stage as she positioned herself back at the podium with her computer. Moving forward into this year, we're planning on making some significant changes to the scheduling here at Gemini Academy. We've been afforded the opportunity to increase our roster, thanks to some wonderful funding from the state. Since the academies in Chicago have better success rates with producing licensed witches, we'll be doing our part to help decrease this generation's rate of active warlocks. Warlocks. Such an absurd term. It suggested they were somehow different from the rest of the witches in America, but they weren't. Well, there was one distinct difference. We were all witches born with the capability of casting magic, Many elected not to train their abilities in favor of living their daily lives without it. Elected. Okay. They came to the realization that licensing was overpriced and selective, and a career in magic was highly competitive, so why bother paying all those fees when you couldn't cast for a living? Yeah, that sounded accurate. Every single person in the world had magic to some degree, but so few had the finances or privilege to freely cast it. Warlocks were nothing more than factions of witches who opposed government oversight. They used their magic without proper licenses, ignoring laws, and endangering others and themselves by recklessly casting. I couldn't say I agreed with their tactics, but the fact so many were detained and labeled a warlock for simply utilizing their magic without proper permission left an unsavory taste in my mouth. The publics, too. Hence the new strategy of ensuring every young person had the opportunity and access. Great in theory, but I was certain the politicians dictating our curriculum would find new and more profound ways to fuck it up. We're still working on finalizing some schedules, which is why we've held off on releasing them. Surface thoughts of rage festered in the audience, and based on the swelling dread inside Evans, even from the back of the auditorium, I knew every teacher shot her daggers. Many academies within the state have optioned to utilize the new voucher system in place, which will increase our student body this year and years moving forward. Our first years at Gemini will eclipse our second and third years twice over. I raised a hand, one Evans ignored as she continued her rehearsed speech. If the first years are going to increase that much, what does that mean for class sizes and homeroom covens? The question popped into everyone's head. I stood up, clearing my throat. Are we merging homeroom covens? I asked, unconcerned with how large my actual class sizes became. I could handle those. But homeroom covens were specifically designed to have twelve students, an old lore to the effect that twelve represented a full coven. But in today's modern society at the academies, it allowed us to develop deeper relationships with the students, follow them all three years at the academy, and make certain they were given the best training and attention we could provide. If they planned on merging covens, making them larger, I could lose a few of my students in the shuffle. I glared, imagining some of the half-assed instructors who wouldn't know the first thing to do with the more complex magics my kids possessed. Homeroom covens will remain the same in size, as it's fundamental to ensure each of our students receive that one-on-one -on -one time with instructors. It's part of why the state reached out to so many academies. Unlike public schools, we have more flexibility in scheduling and can cap our roster size at a particular number. I wanted to release a sigh of relief, yet the festering blocked thoughts from Evans gave me pause. But, I balled my fists. Those teaching third-year homeroom covens will be returning to the first years instead of following along for the final year. 
Her face scrunched as she forced the words out with a tight smile. It was a discussion many admin teams throughout the state had with each other over the summer, since third-year homeroom instructors are mostly a check-in during that last year. We're more than a check-in. By their third year, we'd followed these kids for two years, working closely with them to understand their control of magic and which avenues they should pursue for internships, all to prepare them for the real world. Many of them needed that final year of encouragement and assistance to find the right path. And even if we were just checking in with them, how are they supposed to be evaluated without a homeroom instructor? They'll still have an evaluation. Third-year covens spend the majority of their time at internships. Honestly, they only utilize their homeroom for check-ins and evaluations. For them, this is a dry run in the real world. Yes, a dry run where we still held their hand and walked them through the process. One where if they fell flat on their face, which so many of them did, we'd be there to pick them up, dust them off, and push them forward. Rage seethed out of me. If I weren't the only telepath on campus, the palpable fury fuming from me would bombard another psychic. You can't seriously expect them to handle their final year independently. They still need... I gritted my teeth. Us. Given their off-campus schedules, it's necessary we prioritize staff where they're most needed. We admin will be relieving you of the burden of handling third-year evaluations. We'll handle that while instructors rotate with first- and second-year homeroom covens. This plan will help ensure the state of Illinois reaches the projected proficiency rate. Evans said it like they'd done those of us with third-year covens some grand favor, right after slapping us in the face by saying our last year was too easy— so why not burden us by changing our schedules at the last possible minute? This sucks, I muttered, plopping into my chair. You said it, Chanel whispered. Third-year homerooms are such a cakewalk. I am not mentally prepared for first years. Ugh, so many lesson plans I'm going to have to change. So much wasted preparation during the summer. What a drag. My leg bounced furiously. Now I really needed a fucking cigarette. Chapter 2 I exhaled smoke that blended with the cloudy gray sky. After a full day of professional learning meetings to assist teaching staff in the social and emotional well-being of our incoming students, I slipped out early, skipping the closing discussion on shout-outs to successes we'd had during our collaborative brainstorming and the building blocks of strengthening our academy. Such a wasted effort to pat each other on the back for doing a training we didn't need because we actually spent time in the classroom every day. Besides, these trainings were designed by folks who'd never taught a second of their lives. Damp air created a thick wall of humidity, choking me as I walked to my car. I checked my phone, finding twelve unread messages. I'd used the excuse of work to dodge Milo's texts all day, I scrolled to the most recent. Milo. The gloomy, doomy weather got me thinking about you. Laughing emoticon. I huffed. Was that his idea of flirting? Insufferable. I left the message on red and stuffed the phone back into my pocket. Cheery thoughts blossomed inside me. My palms turned clammy. The last time I'd spent with Milo swirled in my head making my face heat and skin tingle. Did I miss him? This sensation and longing for someone was something I usually did a better job of burying. The way Milo full-heartedly believed I could find happiness again gave me anxiety, because I knew all too well I deserved nothing, especially not his devotion. Still, the joy festering inside me didn't fit with my other mixed emotions, like shoving a jigsaw puzzle piece into the wrong spot, the wrong picture. I took a deep inhale from my cigarette, ignoring the internal itch. This wasn't my excitement. I clenched my jaw, 
Someone else's overjoyed happiness for the impending rain crept into my mind because I'd let my magic wander. Chanel. She shuffled along behind me, calling my name out loud and thinking it even louder. I kept moving, hopeful of reaching my car before she caught up. She looped her arm around mine, interlocking them and tugging me closer as she walked alongside me. I narrowed my eyes, rubbing the back of my neck with my free hand to lessen the growing tension. I should have grabbed my cigarette, which now remained trapped in the hand of the arm she'd locked in hers. Seriously, she was enjoyable in small doses, but I'd had my fill by the end of our morning meeting. I blew smoke in her direction. You know the policy, Mr. Frost. No smoking on campus. She used her free arm to wave the smoke away with a slight telekinetic burst, sending slender gray waves cascading across the parking lot. Then she slipped her fingers above mine, pinching the filter and snatching it away in one quick motion. It lingered between her index and middle finger momentarily. A glint of her college years rolled out because of our physical contact. Thoughts came as words when the person was distant, images when touching, memories when delving deep. A party with cocktails and laughter and the taste of tobacco on her lips. She danced on a bar. Cat called anyone and everyone, kissed them all too. It was a feeling she buried most days. The cigarettes, not the kisses. This overlooked desire struck her in a moment, sparking a wave of secret yearning. Hesitantly, she dropped the cigarette to the ground and snuffed out the glimmering ember with the tip of her heel. I sighed, defeated. Not a second of peace between her and Milo. Please release me. I tugged loose from her grasp and adjusted my rumpled sleeve. You know, a few of us are going out tonight. Chanel tightened her grip on my nearly freed arm. I resisted the tremble of fright that came from too much contact, the desire to push her off, and tried to convey with a disapproving expression that I wanted her to let go. It didn't work. I have plans. Do you? Her grip didn't relent. What if I said it's a very select group? Breaking loose would involve a more hostile tactic. I paused, taking a deep breath, quelling her mind and her whispering childhood. Fuck, I hated touching people. Let me guess. A bunch of teachers with third-year covens pissed for being blindsided? Oh my god. You mind reader, you. Chanel winked, then released my arm. Come on, join us to vent. I didn't read your mind, and I don't need to vent, I said, walking to my car. Besides, I told you I have plans. Important, unchangeable plans. Ones that can in no way be altered. If I'd known about this earlier, I could have considered, but unfortunately... My phone buzzed. Milo, undoubtedly. Unfortunately, is that it? Chanel stood with crossed arms of judgment. I couldn't stand her sometimes. Unfortunately, nothing. I have stuff. Things. I reached for my phone. Leave me alone. Sliding into my car, I gulped, checking Milo's next intolerable text. Milo. So you don't want to text. We can talk in person. I'm actually wrapping up a case near your place. My heart thumped. Liar. There was no way an enchanter of his caliber had worked in my neighborhood. Milo. Care if I pop over and say howdy? Not sure if it's a rom-com move or stalkerish. Is it still a surprise if I text you? LOL. Nope, nope, nope. If he was heading to my house, that meant he wanted to talk, have an adult conversation, which, theoretically, I could handle. I ran my hands through my hair. The problem was, after over twenty years of skimming Milo's thoughts, his intentions, his everything, I should have been better at predicting his little, not-so-romantic gestures. I could always dodge conversation by redirecting our interests to something more sensual, which was how I skirted around discussions best left unsaid when he hung out over the summer. 
Milo was lovely in that way, always ready to talk, willing to listen, insufferably considerate, and patiently waiting for when I was ready. I found it impossible to avoid Milo during the summer. I had too much time on my hands, and he was a beautiful distraction. But if I went home right now and saw Milo, I'd lose myself in him, in my longing, my desires, and all the wonderful memories that stirred inside him. And with those memories came someone who meant so much to us both, someone who cared so deeply for us, someone who deserved better than... No. I squeezed my steering wheel tightly, keeping the past locked away. One look at Milo and our entire history would flood my mind, leaving me paralyzed with guilt. It wasn't the summer anymore where I could lie in bed all day dwelling on Finn's death and how I'd failed him. I needed to be functional for work, for these new mandates and a roster of a bunch of untrained, likely incompetent first-year witches. I leaned out of my driver's window, taking advantage of the uneasy out that had already presented itself. Where exactly are you guys heading tonight? Chanel clapped like an obnoxious seal. Suddenly, smoking didn't feel all that terrible. Do you want me to drive? No, I said, slinking back into my car. Clearly, I'm capable of following. She shrugged, then stepped into her vehicle and whipped out of the parking lot. It took some effort, but I managed to follow her wild lane shifts and swift turns. An easy, twenty-minute drive outside my comfort zone, and we'd arrived at a bar. Correction, we'd arrived at an overpriced parking garage on a busy strip with too many bars. Such a mistake. I walked down the sidewalk, reaching Chanel, who gripped my arm and dragged me inside. She was so touchy, all the time. The biggest complaint I have for admin is how mentally unprepared I am for the lack of maturity from first years. She strolled quickly, guiding us through the crowded sidewalk. Honestly, there's such a difference between 15-year-olds and 17- and 18-year-olds. Thankfully, the small bar was mostly dead. They'd propped the back door open with a bucket filled with dirt and cigarette butts. Stale smoke wafted inside. A comforting sensation reminiscent of the south side. Drinks? Chanel asked, like I had to say, as she raced off before I responded. Nothing with gin, I shouted, scanning for other teachers. No one noticeable popped out. Were we early? I could properly examine the area, but that'd involve a type of effort I didn't want to utilize. At least not for a so-called outing. The point of tonight meant avoiding my problems, magic, and anything involving Milo. Just teachers bitching about being teachers. Sucks, doesn't it, Frost? A hand slapped my shoulder and pulled me into a half-hug embrace. I cringed at his deep, baritone voice booming in my ear. Not in the way you like, but, you know, not all sucking is the good kind. Wink, wink. Seriously? Who said wink, wink? Peterson gripped my shoulder, holding me in place while joyfully sloshing his plastic cup of blue booze. I clenched my fists, desperate for an escape and knowing nothing would do. His heart called out for conversation, oozing from his every immediate emotion, which clung to my mind like a sludge. It didn't help his mind slipped to playful homophobic jokes he truly believed I'd get a laugh out of because he wanted to break the ice with friendly conversation. I have to piss. I skirted loose from Peterson and made my way to the urinals. I debated whether to leave or not, since Milo had likely taken the hint when he showed up at an empty house. I sighed. All I wanted was to drink in peace and drown the frustration from today's professional learning. When I returned to the bar, Chanel sat across from Peterson and four others from our school with an empty seat next to her. I took the seat. She smiled and slid a screwdriver in front of me. The orange juice had reddish drops in it, creating a blobby smear of colors. Cute, right? She beamed. Sort of like a tequila sunset without the tequila. 
I gulped my drink until every ounce of licorice-flavored red garnish was gone, and all that remained was icy orange juice and vodka. How much do I owe you? No worries. I got this round. Chanel waved a hand. The only thing I'm worried about tonight is those mandates Gemini is embracing. Peterson scoffed. A certain admin whose name I won't use hinted our class sizes will be doubled this year, Thompson said. She was a stout, red-headed woman who always remained in the know, as she so often put it. An eloquent way of saying she was a busybody who never minded her damn business and spread idle gossip without ever confirming it. I realized clicky educators didn't embody us as a whole, but with the handful determined to relive their high school years as the authority figures in the room, it was nauseating. That's ridiculous. Peterson took a swig of his drink, muttering something crude and thinking far more callous things. Well, it all comes down to... Chanel rubbed her fingers together, indicating money. Because the voucher system is going to cover most of these kids' tuition. Plus, I think the academies participating in the state's experiment are also getting tax credits if they reach a certain percentage. Saw that on the news when they were talking about California's rollout. It's all bureaucratic bullshit to account for funding. But I'll make it work. Our state was among a dozen or so attempting this new model, while many resisted the shift in order to keep things traditional. You think you'll make it work, Peterson said. The problem with opening the floodgates like this is now they're allowing kids who have no business at an academy simply because it's fair for everyone. So you don't think poor witches should practice magic? I sipped my drink. That's not what I said. Peterson pointed an accusatory finger, his thoughts swirling in agitation that I'd somehow intentionally misinterpreted him. We have a scholarship program for a reason, but this state mandate to lower the bar so everyone can reach it will produce more licensed witches, sure, which is what they want. Jeez, he said it with such an ugly, superior tone, like someone evil actually intended on destroying society. But at the cost of our society's overall comprehension. I even heard the participating academies waived the entrance exams this year, Thompson added, because of course she fucking did. Basically opening the doors to a first-come, first-served standard with some exceptions. Or so I've heard. Total travesty. Peterson had an expression of utter defeat, like he stood upon the battlements of a war in which proper education had finally been defeated. What a tool. Wow, I said with no real enthusiasm for the word. Waved the entrance exams. I know, Peterson interjected, face burning red. Might as well just hand the incoming students a diploma and license now and thank them for participating. Participation trophy roared in his mind on a loop. I ground my teeth. This elitist wannabe truly considered himself closer to the wealthy families he taught than the average person he sat side by side with daily. Absolutely right, I said, rubbing my fingers along my chin to playfully muse over the conversation. You know, it sort of reminds me of how they give entrance waivers to kids who get in on recommendation or come from alumni. Chanel snickered, watching everyone's eyes lock onto me. No, I waved a hand to dismiss my own words. That doesn't make any sense. It's clearly these new teen witches cheating our previously infallible system. Chanel's small laughter burst into an unhinged cackle, which drowned out opposing thoughts from staff members who greatly disagreed with my comment. Can we all agree the system's royally fucked and we should throw the whole thing out? Chanel raised her glass to pull everyone into a cheer for solidarity. Absolutely. I swallowed the last of my screwdriver and shuffled to the bar. What can I get you? The bartender asked. Another screwdriver, please. I shook my glass, clinking the ice inside. 
She hurried off to make my drink along with three others, nodding to customers hurling their orders at her before she'd finished the four in front of her. I smirked at her thought process to keep up with the onslaught. Another whiskey sour for Limp Dick, an extra spritz of cola, hold the rum for Ms. Tipless, a round of shots for Mr. Always Lost in My Tits. That'll be 8.50. The bartender slid the drink toward me. Got an open tab? I reached my hand into my back pocket and paused. As a matter of fact, I think I do. Should be under Peterson. She went to the computer and punched buttons along the screen. Sipping the bitter orange juice, I strolled away from the bar and passed the table of teachers. I gave Peterson a friendly grin, raised my glass, and nodded. Where are you going? Chanel asked. Outside for some fresh air. You realize all that smoke you're inhaling is just counteracting the fresh air you're getting? Good. I stood outside under an awning with several others. Slurred, unfocused thoughts bounced about, unable to fully form. They were hammered. Rain drizzled, but not so hard that I needed to stand among these chatty drunks. I exhaled and slipped between them, cutting around the side of the nearby alley with an unguarded entrance to another building and an empty awning to protect from the rain. I had finished this cigarette and my drink, maybe have another, and then head home. I knew booze would win over books, Milo said. I jolted at his voice and turned to find him at the end of the alley where the city lights illuminated his smile. The rain did nothing to dampen his spiky, chaotic blonde hair. It always looked like he'd just rolled out of bed but was perfectly gelled in place. Books? Ugh, I could have totally avoided him and everyone else by hiding out at a bookstore. But your wallet just can't afford you adding to that massive stack of unread stories. Milo raised a finger, tapping his skull and pretending to read my thoughts. His dress shoes splashed against the puddles. Each heavy step closed the distance between us, making my skin warm. Plus, no booze with bookstores. He'd played me through probability. Damn clairvoyance. Nearly every witch had a branch connected to one of twelve unique magic types that witches were born with. Milo and I both had psychic branches, but while I heard thoughts through telepathy, he played guessing games with a weighted scale on future events. I inhaled and contemplated going back inside, but if anyone from work spotted us together, I'd never hear the end of it. Never. He slipped under the awning, faking a shiver from the rain. Please. The humidity made the late August afternoon feel like a sauna. I blew smoke at Milo, forcing him to backstep and wave a hand to clear the haze. His eyes watered at the harsh exhale. If you knew that text would get me here versus home, why bother telling me you were going to my place? I avoided his gaze. Could have saved us both the hassle of getting caught in the rain. You know predictions are never a certainty. He huddled closer, bumping my hand with his broad bicep and knocking the cigarette loose. Oops. I stared at my fallen cigarette, snuffed out by the wet concrete. Can I finish one smoke in peace today? Milo raised his left arm, exposing an eight-ball tattoo he'd gotten after receiving his first magic practicing license. My chest swelled at the memory of his goofy smile the morning he walked up to me, flashing his tiny tattoo. The one-and-done effort to be edgy. Milo shook his arm and blinked at his tattooed wrist. Says, outcome unlikely. Ha, how very unfunny. Please, that was witty. Milo adjusted his tie, and the guild enchanter emblem pinned to his jacket glimmered. Did you even have a case? Hmm, yes and no. Milo grinned. I did have a case. Literally just finished it, in fact. But it was sort of on this side of town, opposite your place. Figured I'd save myself the drive and meet you here. Hence part of why I suggested you come. Suggested? More like manipulated the situation. I hated his magic, hated it so much, 
It made him impossible to gauge, predict, or plan for. Fuck, he was exhausting. You're the most irritating person I know, you know that. My cheeks twitched, resisting a smile, because whenever Milo looked at me, the weight of the world faded away. You like it. Milo pressed his chest close to mine, backing me against the metal door. I held my breath as his cologne hit my nose, sending a blissful reminder of lust indulged over the summer. I did like his persistence, his unyielding care. Everything about Milo was perfection, from his sweet smile to his eternal understanding, all the way to his puppy dog eyes. Whereas I was a mess of unbridled anger, constant regrets, and looming guilt that reminded me every minute of every day that I wasn't worth his compassion, wasn't worth his love, time, or kindness. If you want me to leave, I will, Milo said, backing away from the protection of the awning. It's just, we had fun over the summer, and then Finn's birthday rolled around and you ghosted me, which I allowed because it's Dorian's fashion, but I missed you. I miss us. Sometimes I think you work up how much, fuck it, I had already made a thousand mistakes opening the box of emotions between us. What was one more? I yanked his tie, pulling him into a kiss. His soft lips met mine and his tongue eased its way into my mouth. I found myself lost in his embrace, excited and eager, but reminded this happiness wasn't meant to be. I dropped my drink, the glass clinking and cracking against the concrete. I couldn't even feign care for the lost screwdriver. I knew I shouldn't be kissing him. This would only further complicate things, for him, for me, but I didn't care. Right then, all I wanted was the sweet taste of his mouth and the firm press of his muscles as I pulled him closer. He ran his hand through my hair, tilting my head in a passionate, all-consuming kiss. The sort of thing I couldn't handle. Surrendering myself to another person, their desires, their dreams, their life. I wasn't made for it. I wasn't meant to coexist with another person. It involved a type of effort I'd never quite fathomed. Yet I lost myself in the smack of his lips, the grind of his hips against mine, the lust oozing from every pore of his body, filling my mind with infinite flashes of every time we'd spent together. Milo's lips broke away from mine, and I craved their supple touch again. A breathy chuckle escaped his mouth, and he smiled, a coy smile that curled into a minxy grin. You know, I really did come here to talk. What could you possibly want to talk to me about? I asked, unable to quell the arousal filling each of our minds. Figured today was rough for you, back to work and all. It was nothing. Even the break in physical contact didn't sever my magic linking his mind to mine, and he knew it too. Years of connection made Milo's mind the easiest to latch onto in a sea of thoughts. And since when do you care how teaching's going? To be clear, I've always cared. Milo trailed his fingertips down my arm, sending goosebumps from his sensual touch. But I figured the big changes they're throwing your way. Maybe you weren't too happy. You're speaking as a guild member who was informed about academy policies before the actual teachers were, or as a clairvoyant who caught a sneak peek of admin's plans? Milo grabbed my wrist, ignoring my question. The touch strengthened the bond of our thoughts. His thoughts. I skirted through his mind toward his current passing notions, attempting to understand where this fascination or curiosity for my workday came from. Yet I stood in front of him lost in his sparkling blue eyes. I kissed him again, this time leading with my tongue. He released my wrist and wrapped his arms around my waist. I focused on the now, keeping my mind locked here. But it didn't matter how much I tried. I became entranced with images Milo held close to the surface of his mind, flashes through his perspective from our last encounter. His hand pressed to the small of my back, 
arching it further and pushing my knees deeper into the mattress. His other hand wrapped around my shoulder, fingers outstretched and lightly gripping my throat. A primal urge to pull my shaggy brown hair. Then or now. Perhaps both. I attempted to shake it off, but the sensation of his memory spiraled in the now, turning the world into a foggy mix of the rainy alley and my bedroom. His body had pulsed with ecstasy the moment he tugged my hair, and he replayed the moan I released on a loop until he silenced me by shoving his tongue into my mouth. Fiery kisses as his hips thrusted harder and faster, and electricity surged into my body. Even now, my legs trembled, my body eager for him to take me here, behind this bar, the same way he had the last time we'd spoken. Images sprang to life, clouding my vision of the now. Milo had slid his tongue along my ear. I love you. I shoved him away, breaking contact in the alleyway and burning his memories of us screwing out of my mind as swiftly as they'd invaded it. Droplets fell harder, and Milo stood exposed to the downpour, his smile unwavering. He'd uttered those words like they were still so easy. Perhaps he'd only said them because of the heat of the moment, and I couldn't decide if that made it easier or more difficult to avoid him, or whether I wanted them to be true or a lustful lie. Milo confused me too much, not only in sex, but in personality and thoughts. He was a jack-in-the-box I didn't want to open. Ever. Thanks so much for listening to this special preview of Three Meant to Be by M.N. Bennett. This audiobook and others will be available through our online store for only $2.99 on February 29th. If you're listening to this after the sale, you can join our Patreon for only $5 and receive a 40% discount on all previously produced audiobooks. Or you can join at the $10 level, still get that discount on past audiobooks, and you will receive our future productions as a perk of membership. Visit hoofandfangpodcast.com to link to our online store and Patreon. You can also find those links in our show notes. And please join us every Friday as Maz and I talk about more incredible queer speculative fiction and the authors and creatives who bring them to life. Subscribe to Hoof and Fang wherever podcasts are available.